Is the FBI taking over the investigation in Idaho? Alex Murdoch says the prosecution's theory is preposterous. That former movie mogul crashes and burns in trial in California. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. This is Crime Talk, and my name is Scott Reich. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment. Hit that little bell so that you receive notifications. And remember, you can listen to us anytime by searching Crime Talk on any of your favorite podcasting apps. And remember, today is Tuesday. What does that mean? It means our Tuesday night live show. And then immediately following that, we will do our Patreon show. And we missed last week because I had to do some of that lawyer stuff. So hopefully we can make it up to you all tonight. All right. Also, before we get started, you know the drill. Support the people that support Crime Talk. Like many Americans, we got a dog during the pandemic. My quarantine dog, Miss Winnie the Bulldog. Now, Miss Winnie has grown accustomed to being around us all the time. When we were leaving the house, Winnie would have extreme anxiety, so we decided to look for natural products to help with her anxiety. We looked for the highest quality CBD treats, and we were not satisfied, and neither was Winnie. So we created a high quality CBD product that absorbs faster and provides the required results faster. Baked in Colorado CBD treats and beverage enhancers are made with nanotechnology. The nanotechnology makes the CBD extraction more pure, also allows for baked in Colorado products to work faster. Baked in Colorado products can help reduce your pet's anxiety, ease joint pain, and help with your dog's skin problems. Go to our online store and see what Baked in Colorado product is best for your dog. When you order at bakedincolorado.com, enter code WINNIE and receive 15% off your first order. We have a 30-day money-back guarantee. If your dog does not experience the desired results in 30 days, return the product and we will refund your money. No questions asked. Let's go ahead and open the record for today's docket, December 20th, 2022. Is the FBI taking over the investigation in Idaho? Well, it sure sounds like it. The FBI has assigned additional agents to investigate the unsolved November 13th homicides of four University of Idaho students. Now, the Moscow Police Department, not Moscow, even though it's spelled that way, which is leading the investigation into the deaths of Ethan Chapin, Zena Kernodal, Kaylee Gonsalves, and Madison Mogan, said Monday in a press release that 60 FBI agents and two members of the Behavioral Analysis Unit behavioral analysis unit have been assigned to the case. Now on December 15th, the last time the police issued a press release, there were 46 FBI agents and two behavioral analysis unit analysts assigned to the case. Apparently they have about 10,000 tips that are coming in and they are reviewing all of those tips. The Moscow Police Department said that they're checking to ensure that we have individuals to look at all of the tips and any piece of evidence that they can link to the case. Now, in addition to the 62 FBI agents, there are also 11 Moscow Police Department detectives and supporting staff, as well as 28 Idaho State Police personnel assigned to the investigation. And now exactly 36 days after the four students were killed in their home near campus between 3 and 4 a.m. on November 13th, Police have not announced any suspects or persons of interest in the case. And authorities continue to search for the white Hyundai, somewhere between 2011 and 2013 model of an Elantra, 
um, which was spotted near the alleged crime scene on King Road in Moscow, Idaho in the early morning hours. Could this be a break? I don't know. Photos of an abandoned car have been circulated online. A spokesperson for the Eugene, Oregon Police Department said that they are working to impound the vehicle and forward the information about the white Hyundai to the Moscow Police Department. The public information officer for the Moscow Police Department said that they are aware of the vehicle and they are investigating the vehicle. Now, the Eugene Police Department confirmed a vehicle was found on West 7th Street in Eugene, Oregon, and it is not clear whether this vehicle is the Hyundai being sought by investigators. Now, Moscow, Idaho is more than 750 miles away from Eugene, Oregon, and law enforcement has said previously that they are combing through information of about 22,000 white Hyundai Elantras that need to be checked out. Now, the family attorney for the Gonsalves, a guy by the name of Shannon Gray, um, has stated that members of the Gonsalves family have been getting harassed by the public and uh, they believe that that is completely inappropriate. Now, the attorney, Mr. Gray, also revealed that the lead investigator of the Moscow Police Department only has two years of experience. Now, it's unclear whether he has two years of experience as a police officer or two years of experience as a detective. Either way, not a whole lot of experience. Let's just put it that way. Now, you also have to consider in smaller jurisdictions, officers rotate from being a detective to being back to a patrol uh, officer, and it just depends on rotation. It just truly, truly depends. But you have to look. We have now 62 FBI agents and analysts, and we're venture to guess that most of them are analysts, not actual FBI agents, but they still have come up with nothing. So this person or persons who allegedly killed four individuals, and that's not, they did it, we just don't know who allegedly did it. it, must be a criminal mastermind that they left no clues behind? Was this some sort of sophisticated serial killer, or was this just some guy or woman that just completely got away with a quadruple homicide because they were lucky? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that the FBI would be able to come in and help. I mean, they did after all help and misfile the lead investigation in the Delphi murder. So, you know, color me skeptical and all the stuff that the FBI has been in lately. I mean, I don't know, maybe did they bring these people over from the, uh, you know, monitoring tweets at Twitter? I don't know, but it's just very surprising to me that um, here we are now 36 days later and nothing, nothing, um, on this case. It's just very surprising. I don't know what to tell you. Now, police have also apparently cleared multiple individuals, a decision that has been questioned by the family of Kaylee Gonsalves, um, who's obviously one of the victims. Now, the family is becoming quite frustrated, but let's face it, probably don't need to um, harass the Gonsalves or any of the victims' families. Just saying. Next on the uh, docket, Alex Murdoch says the prosecution's theory is ridiculous. So Alex Murdoch's defense team has uh, filed a motion to exclude the mountain of evidence related to Mr. Alec Murdoch's uh, former alleged financial misdeeds. 
And uh, in response to the defense motion for a bill of particulars, the state filed a 23-page court document that outlined the theory and motive uh, and move to submit millions of pages of documents related to the financial crimes alleged uh, to have taken place by Mr. Murdoch. Prosecutors alleged that Mr. Murdoch committed the murders of Maggie and Paul Murdoch uh, that resulted from his desire to distract from the financial misconduct coming to light. In a new filing this week, the defense team called the motive illogical and implausible and claims that the state has presented no evidence whatsoever that establishes a clear connection between the alleged crimes. They said, quote, it is nothing more than a transparent effort to improperly persuade the jury that Murdoch is a person of such bad character that he can commit the most heinous crimes imaginable. The defense argues that the inclusion of these documents would unfairly prejudice and possibly confuse the jury, and therefore they simply should not be admitted into evidence. The defense has also asked for evidence related to Murdoch's failed suicide for hire plot to be thrown out as well, claiming that the attorney general's office has uh, contradicted itself. The uh, motion states that in the state's motive theory, it argues that the incident was also a ploy for sympathy, like the murders he never intended to die. The state has allegedly charged him that the incidents for insurance fraud, where he would have to die for the money to be distributed to his surviving son, Buster. There's also information in the motions that an excerpt from a recent uh, trial against Russell Lafitte, the former CEO of the Palmetto State Bank and an alleged co-conspirator of Alec Murdoch. In it, Charles Lafitte, the younger brother of Russell, testified on the stand that he was working with Maggie Murdoch to help her secure a loan for $750,000 on the family's Edisto Beach House around the time of her death. The defense argues that this shows that Maggie Murdoch was not threatening to expose Murdoch's financials and finances, and says that the rumors regarding her consulting a divorce attorney and a forensic accountant are in fact false. Murdoch's lawyers also write that uh, he had no life insurance on either vi victim, so that wasn't going to solve the alleged money woes. And uh, Mr. Murdoch still faces 99 charges related to financial crimes, including most recently some tax evasion, breach of trust, computer crimes, money laundering, and forgery. His murder trial is set to begin in five weeks on Monday, January 23rd, down in South Carolina. Now, the judge overseeing this case, uh, Circuit Court Judge Clifton Newman, issued an order Monday in response to the motion filed by uh, the attorneys for Alec Murdoch. The order, which Newman issued verbally during a court hearing on December 9th, uh, basically compels the uh, district attorney and their investigators to turn over basically materials concerning the expert's opinion of the Oklahoma-based analysis, Tom Bevel. What is interesting is, in the court's order, it clearly states that the defendant seeks disclosure of communications of Mr. Bevel with the state in this matter, including draft reports and presentations, case files, notes, and Photoshop files. The state does not object to the disclosure of materials sought by the defendant. The court finds this information should be disclosed pursuant to Rule 5 of the South Carolina Rules of Criminal Procedure. And then the court grants the motion says that the state must produce, one, copies of all written or recorded communications to and from Mr. Bevel, regardless of the mode of transmission. Copies of all electronic or physical documents sent to and received from Mr. Bevel, regardless of the mode of transmission. 
all Photoshop documents, files of Mr. Bevel, or any member, employee, or agent of Bevel, Garner, and Associates related to photographs of the white t-shirt defendant was wearing the night his wife and son were murdered, and a copy of the case file of Bevel as the term is used in the manual of the United States Department of Justice 9-5.003 criminal discovery involving forensic evidence, formerly known as the United States Attorney's Manual. So what does this really mean? As you may recall, the prosecution said that there was high velocity blood splatter on Mr. Murdoch's shirt. The defense says hogwash and that their own expert for the prosecution has basically changed his opinion to fit the theory of prosecution for the prosecution. And oh, by the way, it appears that they may have lost the shirt in the process. So clearly what the judge is saying is, state, you need to turn over anything from Bevel and Associates regarding this case in any form. Hey, don't really like that uh, opinion. Could you change that just a little bit? Those types of communications that allegedly took place should have been turned over in the first place. State's not objecting, but you get the drift. I'm telling you, this case is going to be so interesting. Um, I wish it was going to be televised. I hope it is. I need to figure this out because if not, I may just have to go there and watch. It's so interesting. All right. Next on the docket, that former movie mogul. That's right. We can't mention his name because if it does, that's right. Bad things happen. The former movie mogul crashed and burned in his California trial. That's right. The former movie mogul has been found guilty of one count of assault and two counts of sexual assault by a Los Angeles uh, court nearly three years after the former movie mogul was sentenced for similar crimes in New York City. Now, the verdicts were delivered Monday afternoon by the uh, jury panel, which consisted of nine men and three women who could not reach a decision on three other counts, including those alleged by the wife of California Governor Gavin Newsom, Jennifer Siebel Newsom, who alleged that the former movie mogul did inappropriate things with her back in 2005. The jury also could not reach verdicts on the allegations involving a model by the name of Lauren Young called Jane Doe II during the proceedings, forcing the judge to declare a mistrial on those counts. So now the former movie mogul was found guilty of three of the assaults offered by an unidentified Russian-born Italian-based model referred to as Jane Doe number one. Now, the disgraced movie mogul who crimes allegedly spawned the growth of the Me Too movement back in 2017 was also acquitted of several allegations made by other women. The unnamed massage therapist who allegedly treated Mr. Former Movie Mogul at a hotel in 2010 known as Jane Doe Number Three. Now, former movie mogul guy is currently two years into a 23-year sentence for assaults where he was convicted in New York. So the breakdown in California is simply that being found guilty of the three of the possible counts, he's looking at 24 years in custody. Now, the former movie mogul was in a wheelchair for the uh, court proceedings. He didn't re react uh, audibly 
but folded his hands and pressed them against his head as the guilty verdicts were read. The verdicts uh, were reached after jurors deliberated for three weeks, meeting for a total of 41 hours over 10 days. Tell me jurors do not take their responsibilities seriously. They do. They understand the consequences and they hold the prosecution to their burden of proof. So in this case, uh, allegations of four women that allegedly transpired between 2004 and 2013. Um, now, Miss Siebel Newsom testified that the former movie mogul assaulted her in 2005 when she was 31 and trying to build an actor and producer career. She said that she found herself unexpectedly alone with the former movie producer in uh, a suite at the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills where she had agreed to join him for a meeting. She said she assumed others would be present and that they would talk about her career. He then allegedly emerged from the bathroom in a robe wearing underneath and then allegedly groped her. Siebel Newsom said that she had to fake an orgasm to end the ordeal and that she was making noise to get him to finish. Now, the defense attorney, Mark Worksman, asked her how she indicated her pleasure, resulting in a visibly appalled Miss Siebel Newsom. Now, I've said this before. I mean, I've practiced law for 27 years. I've had a law practice uh, of my own for 23. And not once, not once, have I ever conducted a job interview or a meeting in a hotel suite? Just never done it. Because um, that would be inappropriate and wrong. And no disrespect, but why would somebody go to somebody's hotel room to have a meeting? It just isn't done that way. I don't care if you have the biggest suite and you have multiple rooms and living rooms and whatever. You don't conduct business in a hotel room. Bottom line, not saying that anybody deserves anything bad to happen to them, but sometimes you got to use a little bit of common sense. Now, there would have been another accuser against former movie mogul, but she didn't want to testify. So the prosecution had to drop those charges the way things are supposed to work. If you make an allegation, you have to come to court, be subject to cross-examination, and see if your allegations hold up to the burden of proof. So I think what we can all agree upon here is that since the former movie mogul slash producer is now 70 years old, he has a 23-year sentence from the state of New York, he's probably going to get maxed out on this particular sentence. I think it's rather clear that he will probably die in prison. And I wonder if he looks back now and thinks, wow, was that worth it? A little bit of pleasure for all of this? Somehow I doubt it. And I'm certainly sure that his victims didn't like it either. So so hopefully we're just about done with uh, the former movie mogul producer guy. And then finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. A woman faces arson and attempted murder charges after police said that she set a man's apartment on fire after he allowed her to take a shower this uh, past Sunday. Now, the victim told police that he regularly allowed Maria Dawson, who lives on the streets of Miami, to take a shower at his apartment. 
Now, the apartment building is part of a low-income housing complex owned by the Miami-Dade County uh, Human Services Department. And apparently about 1 p.m. on Sunday, Dawson arrived to shower at the man's apartment. The victim told police that he noticed Dawson leaving the apartment but didn't talk to her or follow her because he was too busy cooking some food. After a few minutes, though, he began to smell smoke that apparently wasn't just his food, and he ran to the bedroom to find a heavy smoke billowing from under the locked door. After forcing his way inside, the man then told police he saw his closet ablaze with flames from a pile of clothes on the floor. He unsuccessfully tried to uh, put the fire out with a garden hose. Didn't quite work so well. Firefighters put out the fire, which caused significant damage to the unit. Now, the uh, police officers then apparently received a report of a woman walking around naked in the area. Guess who that was? That's right, Miss Dawson. She was taken into custody, and the police noted in the uh, affidavit for arrest warrant that she had an altered state of mind due to either A, heavy drugs, or use of alcohol, even though she claims that she just hadn't slept in 17 days. Needless to say, Miss Dawson was arrested and um, sent to the jail after being treated for an injury on her wrist. Congratulations, Ms. Dawson. You are a dumb criminal of the day. And, and the good neighbor who lets her take a shower, probably not such a good idea. Again, don't do it. No good deed goes unpunished. And um, just don't do it. Maybe Ms. Dawson thought you were going to be former movie mogul producer guy and do something inappropriate. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Just don't do it. Use your common sense, ladies and gentlemen. Try not to put yourself in those bad situations where bad things don't happen to you. A little common sense goes a long way. All right, thanks for watching. I hope you're having a wonderful day, not just a great day. We'll see you tonight on our live 6 p.m. Mountain Time. See you then.